All right, I had a special gift for Mother's uh, for Mother's Day for all of our mothers here, uh, but that gift just got ripped out of my hands. My special gift was I was going to let your kids stay with you, but Vicky has decided to take the kids down. So, uh, so maybe moms, you'll like that a little better. So kids, you can be dismissed down for Children's Church if you like. <clears throat> so thank you, uh, Nick, for, for sharing that with you. Um, Church, I need to uh, I, I need to to let you know that I've been keeping a secret from you. Uh, I I have a hidden talent uh, that very few people even know about. In fact, my wife doesn't even know uh, about this talent. But but I'm going to put that public kind of step step out of the shadows and put that uh, in, on display today. Uh, I, I'm going to show you. Yea, verily bless you uh, with this hidden gift. Uh, and what that gift is that is, I like to think God has really blessed me with this, is my ability, my ability to, uh, to paint. Now, I, uh, I, I don't have a canvas here, so I'm just going to use markers. It won't be as good as if, uh, if it, they are dry erase, Rita. I'm not, not that stupid. <laughs> yes, they are dry erase. Uh, what she's saying is she hoped they weren't so that that picture would stay there. So so I'm going to I'm going to draw a uh, a picture of the 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 pastoral setting of Jesus and the sermon on the mount. Uh hopefully I can capture adequately, adequately his his uh, grace, his uh compassion, his gentleness in this pain. In fact, if you want to turn to Matthew 5, 6 and 7 and read that while I'm while I'm Doing this, I think that'll make it even that much more meaningful to you. So, so just bear with it. Now, be aware of this: that as I start, it's it's going to be kind of layered. So, it's not going to look like much at first, but when I'm done, when I'm done, we we may be auctioning off this um, canvas. Now, I wish I could flip it sideways, so I'm going to be a little bit of a challenge here. But uh, bear bear with me. Are you catching it yet? If you're if you're reading Matthew chapter five, uh, blessed are the blessed are the you, you're <laughs> this by hitting you right right where where it's good. So uh, no, got ahead of myself there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, I, I did this downstairs in Sunday school and. Uh, Abby looked at it. She said, "Is that the ocean?" I said, "No, that's people." Now, now, what you may have guessed is, uh, I have no talent. Uh, I, I have no artistic ability at all. But, but what I'm going to share with you this morning uh, is a painting. Now, now, it's not a painting of my making. In fact, it's not going to be a painting of of paint or or dry erase or anything like that. It's a, a painting with words and. It's the painting that Paul shares with us in Colossians chapter 1. And in this, we see literally a masterpiece of a clear picture of Jesus. So, so when we're done seeing that, that painting that he presents, it, it'll become very clear what Jesus is, who, who he is, and, and what Jesus' life was about. So we'll see him clearly from Paul's 
painting. Now, now Paul presented this picture for us really for two reasons. We've actually already talked about one of those two weeks ago when we started this series. Uh, he wrote this book of Colossians. He wrote to that church, first of all, to uh, to challenge or to counter a false teaching. The the church there in, in Colossae was struggling with an early version of Gnosticism. It, it was a philosophy that, in essence, robbed Jesus. It, it either robbed him of his humanity, which which is, said he really was not human. He was only, uh, he if he was God, he never came to earth. He never experienced what we experienced, and definitely he never experienced temptation. So it either robbed that from him, or it robbed his divinity. And this is probably what most of them thought. It, it said, well, yeah, Jesus was here on earth, but he was just a man. He was just like everyone else. And it, if he was a man, then he was flawed, then he was a sinner, then he was less than. And, and the problem with that, the problem with seeing Jesus as just a man and not God in the flesh is that he couldn't be sinless. If Jesus were only a man, then he had to be, in their thinking, and, and, and I would agree, if he was only a man, then he had to be a sinner. He had to be less than you, or less than, than divine. He was human. If, if he was just a man, then he didn't rise from the grave. Because no man had ever done that before. And if he was only human, there's no way he rose from the grave. And if he was just a human, if he wasn't God in the flesh, then then why follow him? Now, now you could respect him, you could, you could honor him, you could follow some of his good moral teaching and be impressed by that. But, but if he was just human, then he really wasn't that special. So, so Paul wrote this letter to, to counteract that attitude or counteract that thought or that belief. Here's the second reason he wrote the letter was to clearly lay a foundation. Now, now the foundation was for the church of Colossae. He was making sure that they understood exactly who Jesus was, but that foundation is also there for the church here in Troy, Kansas. It's a foundational picture that, that Paul paints of this, this Jesus. It, it's full of detail and nuance, unlike my drawing there. He starts painting here in Colossians chapter 1 with verse 15, and as we get into the picture, as he adds, adds layer upon layer, you'll see a clear picture of who Jesus is. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Colossians chapter 1. We're going to look at verses 15 to 23. We, we've been talking about this. We, we mentioned the first week, uh, two weeks ago, but, but let's, uh, let's look exactly at what he says. Notice the picture that he's painting. Chapter 1, verse 15, the Son, that's Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. Remember the first week we talked about supreme, that, that when you think of Jesus, you're supposed to think of a supreme pizza because of his supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, 
by making peace through the blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. If we continue in your faith, establish and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel, this is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. So so we're going to look at two things that we see as he paints this picture. Here's the first one. Um, we're going to see who Jesus is. He, he tells us exactly who Jesus is. Now, I'm going to point something out to you. In fact, actually, it's Scripture that points it out, not me. But, but Scripture here in Colossians 1 points something out to us that I'm just going to be honest. No, okay, I wasn't honest about my pain ability, but I'm going to be honest about this. I can't explain this. I, I wish that, that I could, I wish that I could articulate it in a way that you just like, oh yeah, that makes sense. The, the reality is I can't wrap my mind around this and, and that's okay. Uh, maybe you're better than me on it, but, but if you can't, if you're like me and you can't quite fathom, it's, it's okay. Some things we just have to believe. We have to trust that, that God's word says it. So here's, here's the first thing we see. Uh, who Jesus is? Jesus is God. Now, did you catch that from the text? Verse 15, the Son is the image of the invisible God. Jesus is God. Now, back in Philippians chapter 2, verse uh, 6, Paul had said something uh, in that letter very similar. He says in Philippians 2, 6, who, talking about Jesus, being in the very nature God, and he uses a word there for nature that has the idea of intrinsically what you are. You, you can't you can't lose that. That's exactly who you are. So who being in the, the very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his advantage. So so Paul in Philippians basically said Jesus is just like God. Jesus is God. In fact, Jesus himself made this claim several times. John chapter 10, verse 30, Jesus says this. And, and uh, if you want to go there and read and read the context around it and what follows, you'll see they didn't much care for Jesus saying this. He said in verse 30, I and the Father are one. Yeah, that really ticked off the religious leaders. In fact, they, they wanted to kill Jesus when, that, when he said that. Later on in that same chapter, 37, 38, he says, Do not believe me unless I do the work of my Father. But if I do them, that's the works, even though... Uh, even though you do not believe me, believe the works, and you may know and understand that the Father is in me, and I in the Father. And and later on in chapter 12, verse 45, he, he brings it up again. He says, the one who looks at me is seeing the one who sent me. When you see me, you're seeing God. So, so Jesus makes a claim. Paul points it out. Here in Colossians, the same thing, that Jesus uh, is, is God. The, the way he puts it is the Son is the image of the invisible God. Now, now I don't want us to get the wrong impression. He, he uses a, a unique word there for image. We, we might read that and think, well, okay, 
what he's really saying, Tim, you're getting it wrong. What he's really saying is that Jesus looks like God. And we know from Scripture, I've talked about many times, that we're supposed to look like Jesus. I talked about it a couple of weeks ago. We're, we're supposed to live in such a way that people see Jesus in us. So, so maybe what Paul is saying there is only that Jesus kind of looks like God. Uh, several years ago, when re- we were attending Central Christian Church, uh, one weekend our daughter Crystal and family came to visit us. After church, uh, we uh, went out to eat, and we ended up in Sam's Club. And walking through Sam's Club, we saw uh, one of the, the guys that attended the Sunday school class that I was teaching. His name was Jeff Moutre. And Jeff come walking up to Rita, and Crystal and I were all together. He comes walking up to her. He looks at Rita, and he looks over at Crystal, and he looks at Rita, and looks at Crystal, and he says, you can tell that she's your daughter. She looks just like you. Uh, now, we kind of laugh because Crystal adopted. Uh, now, they both love that, but 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 yeah, she looks like her, but but that's how you might think he means there. What well, looks like it, but he's not the same. Now, let me let me illustrate just a little bit further. Uh, uh, earlier this week, it was Monday or Tuesday evening. Uh, Reed and I went out to some friends' house. We we had a, a, a couple in Rushville, Annie and Lake uh, Clay Lutz, who had uh, sponsored our six K. So so I took some T-shirts out to him from the walk, and uh, when I got there, Annie invited us in, and her mom and dad, uh, Jim and Debbie, were there. And, and we walked in and got talking, and, and her two kids, Finn and Jet, were playing in the living room, watching TV and running around playing. And, and we, we talked for a while, and, and eventually I made the comment. She was holding her, her uh, young son, Jet, and I said, I said, Annie, I said, Annie, uh, he looks just like you did when you were his age, when you were little. Uh, when, uh, when Annie was just a little girl, I used to call her Annie Bug because she was cute as a bug. Um, I don't know the bugs are cute, but that's what I call her, cute as a bug. And, and they live next door to us. And, and I said, he looks just like you. And then, then Annie said, well, Clay's dad says, uh, says that he looks like Clay when Clay was a little boy. And then Rita piped in and said, uh, well, well, Finn looks like his grandpa Jim. And Jim was sitting there on the couch. He pointed at him. And, and, and then I piped in, uh, totally un- unrelated to what they were saying. Well, I think Finn looks like, uh, like Kel Cassidy. Kel Cassidy is no relation whatsoever. Uh, kid that lives down the street. Now, now there's two different things going on there. I, I think Finn looks like Kel Cassidy. That's not what Paul's saying here when he says the sun is the image. What he is saying is closer to the other, that Jet looks like his mom or looks like his dad. And, and, and why is that different? It's because of DNA. They, they are connected because they, in part, are the same. Uh, Jesus wants us to understand, or excuse me, Paul wants us to understand here that Jesus is God. Now, why is this important? Why worry about this? It seems a little hard to understand. We can't wrap our mind. We can't put, why is this important? Because it informs us that Jesus was not created. Jesus, God wasn't up in heaven and decided, you know what, I want a son, and boom, I've got a son. He, he wasn't created. He was not an angel. He wasn't some other, some religions that think that. He was not lower than God. God wasn't here in Jesus just a little bit under, underneath him, that wasn't. He was, and here's what I don't catch, I, what I can't understand, but it's true. He was God and uniquely the Son at the same time. And, and, and here's why it's important. It means that when he came to earth in human form, 
God came to earth. That That is divinity coming to earth. Now, are you catching the teaching against Gnosticism? The spiritual world is uh, opposite of, of Gnosticism. The spiritual world is connected to the physical world. Now, just to hammer the point home, to add more detail to the picture, to add another layer to this, uh, he adds a little bit more. And, and this is what he says. So Jesus is God, but he also says Jesus was there. So if you if, if you doubted what he meant in, in verse 15, verse 16, we'll, we'll kind of nail it. Verse 16, for in him all things were created. Let me read that again. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Uh, John chapter 1, verses 1 to 3 says this, In the beginning was the Word, and from the context, the Word is Jesus. That's what he's, he's using that about Jesus. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. It was God, or he was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. He is being very clear as he paints this picture of Jesus, that Jesus was there at creation. So so church at Colossae, uh, don't get confused. Don't misunderstand who Jesus was. He was there at creation. So so again, what's the big deal? Why, why is that important to us? If if Jesus was there at creation, if Jesus was in part there at creation, it cements the fact that salvation comes through only one person, and that's him. John fourteen six, Jesus claims it straight. He says, uh, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus was there at creation. No other religion claims that for their leader, for their founder, for their their figurehead. Buddha was not there at creation. Mohammed was not there at creation. No, no other God, no other way that the world might throw out and say, well, you can get to God this way. No other way is there. Jesus was the only one at, uh, at creation. So it is only through Jesus and Jesus alone that salvation comes. The picture is getting a little clearer, isn't it, who Jesus was. And and he adds one one more little detail. Uh, he, he points out that Jesus holds it together. Look at verse 17. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Jesus is still holding it all together. Who is he? He's God. He was there at creation the universe exists and is held together because of him. Okay, so that's the, the first thing that we see when we look at this painting that Paul presents for us. Uh, who, who is Jesus? Second thing is why Jesus came. It's really pretty easy. He came for us. Jesus came for us. A couple of weeks ago, uh, I drove to, uh, it's Tuesday morning, I drove to Iowa uh, up to uh around Cedar Falls, Iowa. My my son-in-law, Nick, uh, had, had a grandpa that had passed away. And, and Nick's grandpa was very close to him, and, and I had the opportunity. So I thought, you know, I'm going to go up and support them and and and, uh, and go to the funeral. So I left about 5 o'clock on Tuesday morning, drove the four and a half, four hours, uh, four hours and 45-minute drive up there. And, and, and as I'm, 
I'm pulling up to the church, this beautiful old church out in the middle of nowhere, out, literally out with cornfields all around, and, uh, but a beautiful church cemetery just off to the side of it. As I pull up, and I'm probably a couple hundred yards from the church on a side road, and I look over, and I'm on the phone with Rita. I call to say, hey, I'm here. Uh, I made it okay. And I look over, and I see a girl standing in the parking lot doing this. And and I tell Rita, I said, well, some girl is waving at me. She must think must see the car and think it's someone else. And and so I continue to call, talk to Rita, and I turn and pull up and park just out on the side road by the church. And that same girl is in the parking lot, and she turns and looks at me and does this. And and I tell Rita, well, she waved at me again. And then I, I tell Rita, I said, hey, that's Chris. Or that's not Chris. That's Eden. That that was our granddaughter. And I'm like, oh. So I wave back at her. And, and uh, I finish the call. And I get 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 out of the car. And Eden had walked off with a, one of her cousins out into this this grassy area. And I walked up. And she had her back to me. And so I walked out. And I said, hey, Eden. And she turns around. And her jaw drops. And she says, Papa, what are you doing here? Of course, I like. You waved at me, Eden. You were waving at me up on that. I was just waving. I was just being friendly. And, uh, and, and she said again, she said, what are you doing here? And finally her cousin walked up and said, Eden, who is this? And Eden says, it's my papa from Missouri. What are you doing here? And, and finally her cousin says, yeah, you're not even related to him. And, and I'm like, okay, I'll leave if you want me. No. So finally, after several times saying, but, but I don't understand why you're here, I finally said, well, I'm here because of your dad. I'm here to support your, your dad and your mom. I came for them. Now, I don't think Eden ever really understood why he came. But Paul paints this picture. And in part, it helps us understand why he came. He came for us. Verse 18, look what verse 18 says. It's talking about Jesus. It says, and he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead. He is the head of the body. Um, in Ephesians chapter 1, 22 and 23, uh, Paul says there, and God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be the head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him, who fills everything in every way. Paul was attacking this false teaching by telling them that Jesus, who was God in the flesh, had came to be the head of the church. Now, I need a, I need a volunteer. I need a volunteer. <laughs> Thank you, Don. I knew you would. Don, if you would, just stand up. I knew if no one else did it. You guys are all covered because you know Don or, or Jack will always volunteer. So, so, Don, I will give you $100. It's a real $100 bill. Banker, this is a real $100 bill. Trust me, it is. Tom here, he can check it out. This is a real, this is your, this is your money if you can do one thing for me. Are you up for it? Okay. Hopefully, uh, the, we're, I'm not going to ask that they pan on you and get you on camera. If you would, j- just step out in the aisle real quick so everyone can see you because, because uh, um, then I'll have Rita run the $100 bill to you. This is what I need you to do. I need you to take your head off and hold it off to the side. <laughs> is, is Jack back there or did he go downstairs? Good thing because he might have tried to help him uh, take his head off. Okay, okay. so obviously you're not going to get the $100 because you couldn't, couldn't do it. You probably knew that, though. Uh, 
how how absurd. How absurd. You, we can't take our head off. Well, you can, but it's not a good thing. Uh, it is unmovably attached. Uh, Jesus came, according to, to, to Paul here, we see it in Ephesians as well, Jesus came to be the head of the church, and we are the church. So he came to connect himself unmovably to us. Did you catch that? That 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 again that's attacking that gnostic teaching that that heaven and earth can't can't be joined somehow that spiritual and physical can't be together. But Jesus came to be the head of the church. He came to be the head of us. That that can't be detached. He is a part of us. Uh 40 almost 42 years ago Reed and I got married and uh we we spent the first 2 months of our marriage living in a, a little trailer that my uncle owned in Woodlawn, Illinois. So right before we got married, we had bought some furniture at Indicott Interiors there in my hometown of Woodlawn. We had that delivered and put in the the, the bedroom, this spacious uh, uh, ten by ten bedroom or something like that uh, of of our uh, of our uh, fantastic trailer. We had the the dresser and the the uh, the, the uh, um, what do you call the chest uh, chest of drawers had it all delivered there. And after we got married. We we came got married in Topeka. We came back, and Rita had all of her stuff, and and I found out how we were connected unmovably, because she went in and she took the whole dresser, all three drawers on both sides, the ones in the middle. She took a couple drawers of the chest of drawers and left me just with a little bit and maybe a, a little corner over in the closet. It was a, we were connected. Paul. Paul says Jesus is the head of the. And, and and then in verse twenty, he he also points out that he came to pay, he came to pay the debt. L- look with me uh, in verse twenty, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through the blood shed on the cross. Now now catch the first part of verse twenty two. There he says, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body. Uh, the, the Greek word for reconcile has, has this idea to, to change or, or really has the idea to exchange. And, and it was used particularly in money transactions. It, it was the idea of, of a money transaction that reconciled. Let me, let me illustrate this way. After church, some of you are going to go out to eat with your family. So you're going to take mom to her, her favorite restaurant. Hopefully you got reservations. So it'll be busy, but you're going to take mom to her favorite restaurant. You're going to sit down and some, some, uh, little waitress is going to come over and wait on you and, and take care of you. And at the end of the meal, she's going to walk up to you with a little piece of paper in her hand. And you guys are going to try this. You're going to smile at her real big and hope that she will say, okay, no charge today, but that's probably not going to be the case. She's going to lay down a piece of paper. And what you have to do is you have to reconcile it you have to you have to exchange some of your cash or your credit card or a gift certificate or something you're going to have to somehow make 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 it good uh and reconcile the situation uh it's been a couple years ago now uh reed and i were at texas roadhouse one of our favorite restaurants and and uh, we're about halfway through our meal we looked up and uh, neil and malie and Bree and I think Callie uh, walked in and sat uh, a couple sections away from us. I saw him and waved at him. And 
we, we finished our meal. Actually, we were done with our meal for, for quite a while, and the lady never brought us that little piece of paper. And so finally I flagged her down and said, hey, uh, we're, we're ready to leave. Can we have our bill? And she said the words that I always love to hear. She said, well, someone else has, has paid your bill. Someone, she, she said, exactly, she said, you've been reconciled. No, she didn't say that. But, but that's what she meant. She said, someone else has taken care of your debt. It, it, it was due. You had to pay it. In, in this case, you didn't pay it. Someone else did. Paul is telling the church at Colossae this important principle. Their debt had been paid. See, this false teaching that an end of the church was telling them that since they were human, since they were part of the physical world, they were evil and they were vile and they were full of sin. Now, actually, that's right. But, but the teaching said there's nothing you can do about it. But Jesus on the cross said, yes, there is. I will reconcile the debt. And, and the result of that is this, and, and we see this uh, in the next verse. The result of that is this, is he came to make us perfect. Verse 22, now, now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you wholly in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. A couple months ago, I, uh, I went to a dermatologist for the first time. Um, Rita had been telling me I needed to go for a long time, but, but my, my grandma, my grandma Hartman, had had skin cancer, and my mom has had several skin cancers removed. A couple of my sisters, including my twin sister, and apparently we share a little more DNA uh, than most, and, and uh, uh, she had had skin cancer, and so you read a bit happening, you need to go to the dermatologist. So, so I finally made an appointment with the dermatologist. They, if you've ever been there, you go in, they say, take your clothes off, except for your underwear, thank goodness, and they said, take your clothes off, they give some little flimsy robe to put on you. Then the doctor came in with his nurse, a female nurse, by the way, and comes in, and they take that off, and then he takes a magnifying glass or something similar to that and begins to look my body over inch by inch by inch by inch and you know what he was looking for he was looking for flaws i i knew i had a couple freckles i didn't know that i was plastered with freckles because every so often he would say like every other second he would say one two one three and and he was pointing them out saying how big they were and she had a little she had a little notebook with a a body on it that was supposed to be me but uh and she would mark down one, two, three, whatever it was, as, as, as he pointed out. Now, I guess they do that so they can make sure nothing happens, they don't grow. But, but man, he was looking close to find my blemishes. The world, the world looks close at us sometimes. Maybe it's a friend, maybe it's an enemy, maybe it's someone even in our own family that looks real close and they see our blemishes. And they point him out. One. That one's a three. Whoa, we better keep an eye on that one. The, the world sees our blemishes. And, and if the world doesn't do it, don't we do it ourselves? Don't we look at ourselves sometimes? And that's all we see is blemishes. Now I see the freckles. I didn't, had never seen them before until he told me I had them. Uh, we see our own blemishes. But Jesus came to make us perfect without blemish side of God. Isn't that cool? Psalm 103.12 says, as far as the east is from the west, 
so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Jesus takes every flaw and every blemish in our life and removes it. Isaiah 1.18, come now, let us settle the matter, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, though they are there and they are bright and you can see them, though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they will be like wool. Well, who's Jesus? We, we, we may not quite understand it, but he's God. Paul points out he was there at creation and, and he holds it all together. Why did he come? He came for us. He came to connect himself to us, to, to be the head of us. He came to pay that debt, to cover the cost that we owed and to make us perfect. Shane Wood, a professor at Ozark Christian College, tells the story of a friend of his. He says his friend used to be a gangbanger and said he was talking to him one day and this friend was regaling to him some of the stories of his life. His brother had led him into that lifestyle and and, and, and his friend had spent some time in jail because he had taken a rival gang member and uh, taken his head and slammed it against the curb, tried to kill him. He didn't succeed, but but he got arrested and thrown in jail. And so he was telling some of these stories and, and Wood looked at him and said, man, I just can't believe I look at you, and, and the, the guy now was, was clean-cut and articulate and was a, a, a husband and a father of two little kids, was active in his church, a leader in his church, and, and Wood said, I just, I just can't believe that was you. He said his friend kind of laughed, a little bit of a nervous laugh, almost, almost a little bit of a condescending laugh, uh, Wood uh, said, and, and he, he said to Shane, he said, well, don't you believe in the resurrection? And Shane said, I was a little defensive. I said, well, of course I do. And he said, then why is it so hard to believe in transformation? Why is it so hard to believe that God can change us? Jesus, uh, Jesus was God in the flesh. Let's hope we can figure that out. If not, let's just trust him. He came to earth to cover us, to make us perfect in God's eyes, to transform us to be like him. Would you bow with me? Father, we thank you for the work of the cross, the sacrifice that Jesus gave to pay the bill, to pay the debt, to reconcile us to you. Father, we thank you that even though we are covered with flaws, they're they're easy to see, they're, they're, they're ugly, they're obvious, but Father, in your eyes, Because of Jesus, you see us without blemish. You see us as your sons and your daughters. Father, help us live transformed lives by you in Jesus' name.